Welcome to Future Sounds FM, Season 2, Episode 7. We've got a skeleton crew this week. I'm Tom, aka the Witcher to Limewire. I was joined by Enzo. We were interviewing Andy from Pure Life about his upcoming Pure Live events and telling us what the future holds for the label. Roundtable episode with the full squad coming up next time. Wicked. All right, after some technical hitches, I'm here with Andy, aka Pantare from Pure Life. Um, been chatting a bit off air and we had to sort of frantically hit the record button in case we sort of um, uh, missed, missed all the good stuff. So, um, yeah, um, evening, how's it going? Yeah, it's good. It's good to, uh, good to speak to you again. How you doing? Not bad at all. Yeah, we just kind of jumped, jumped off baby bedtime and straight into the music chat. Yeah, seamless. It's been absolutely seamless. <laughs> um, Enzo sort of frantically <laughs> baffing around in the background with sort of earbuds and microphones and stuff, hoping to join us. So there's definitely two of us. There, there may be three. But yeah, fingers, fingers crossed Enzo makes an appearance. I only learned during uh, my research today. So you go, your kind of solo artist name, Pantare, or your alias. I hadn't realized that was like to do with this Heraclitus thing, this sort of um, quote about like never being able to step twice into the same river. That's what I learned during my research. I, yeah, I that's absolutely right. rinsed that quote. Every essay I would write at university, I sort of found a way to kind of slam that in. So it um, made, made me happy to see that today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's a, there's a ton of uh, metal bands also called it, so it was a poor decision on 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 my. Your um, your Pantare fourteen on Discogs. I don't know if you knew that. Fourteen, wow. <laughs> yeah, I th- I mean I've never I've I've actually only released uh, one kind of album thing that I decided to make over a weekend under that alias, uh, but I just use it because. I don't know. It's it's more of a kind of functional yeah. alias than uh, an actual kind of like uh, uh, one that I use to to to, to cool. really stuff. It's like it. a do- dormant alias. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm amazed. I'm even on. Uh, is it Discogs? Yeah, yeah. He said. Well, so they, yeah. I'm always amazed by people on Discogs who take the time to sort of catalog stuff. They're unsung heroes. Yeah, uh, and also. I mean, if you, it depends if you're talking about the people who are selling stuff. On, <laughs> okay, yeah. I wouldn't call them. No. I wonder, I don't know if they're the same people, though. I'm imagining sort of like kind of yeah, um, probably studious types, you know. They're there just typing in all the data and stuff. Yeah, just academic yeah. types uh, in dusty vaults. Yeah, those aren't the ruthless sharks the like flipping the records, are they? You wouldn't have thought. Yeah, like, you know. Adam Curtis types, <laughs> I'd, I'd imagine. Yeah, bookish. <laughs> That's funny, man. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess it, there's there's a bunch of reasons uh, why we're hopping on the chat. Like, we're, I mean, it's it's long overdue. We've been talking about this since you ran your pure live events last summer. Um, but um, it seems like yeah, a, God, can't believe it's been a whole year. Yeah. It seems like a good time to do it now because you're coming up to your sort of five year anniversary of the label. Um, you've had like a kind of rebrand, like there's there's kind of been some evolutions in the sound that your artists are putting out and you're on the cusp of doing like a bunch of um, five year anniversary shows. So um seems like a good time to have you on. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite funny, really, because like when you look at our Bandcamp page, uh, you'll only see that we've released just two releases this year. 
um, which is just like quite absurd when you when <laughs> when you consider like how much stuff we've actually been doing in the background. It's not like representative at all of like the amount of different projects that we've had running uh, concurrently. Uh, but yeah, we actually are five years old. Uh, I think we um, got the company. Oh God, what do you call it? What do you call it when you get? Well, you registered uh, with Company's company. House. Oh. Yeah, right. That's there's a word for it. But I can't remember. Okay. What it is. Incorporated. Um, but yeah, that was so on the thirty first. Incorporated as a business. Incorporated. Yeah. Incorporated. incorporated yeah. Oh, hi, Enzo. <laughs> Hello, Enzo. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, uh, I can. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. It's kind of like you chimed in like Dictionary Corner there. It's well, I've been cool. listening in the background. I've just, yeah, I'm, I'm like, a, I'm, I'm the child of the group that doesn't know how to use his toys. Oh, man. <laughs> so I've had all sorts of tech issues. So I wish you'd think I'd be able to do this by now, but I had to ring my little brother, which is embarrassing in itself. But here we are. Well, I couldn't remember the word incorporated. Yeah. So. Let's bring Enzo in. Okay, so I mean, um, we were just talking about um, Pure Life kind of celebrating its five-year anniversary. I think My Pet Flamingo's been around for almost exactly the same amount of time. Is that right? We did five years in April, I want to say. And I and I actually missed it. I completely forgot. And I think oh. I checked because I looked. We've got, you know, if you look in the Bandcamp app, you can see all-time sales and all-time plays and stuff like that. And I think I noticed that our little spike in April 2018, I'd missed it. So it was too late. So we'd have to wait till the 10th year before we do any parties. So oh, I don't think man. people will get that excited about a six-year anniversary, to be fair. Yeah, six is a good number. Well, yeah, we would have been in the same school year. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, I suppose, yeah. I'm trying to work out how old you are by your voice now. I think there might be a bit of an age gap here, but... How old I am? Uh, I'm 36. Okay, we wouldn't have been in the same school year then. I'd have been, I'd have left school as you started, I think. Yeah, oh, really? Six years well, older. our labels would be in the same yeah, school let's, year. We'll that's go with cute. that. We'll stick with that. <laughs> so you've been going for five years. That That's... I mean, it's. It, I think in in this day and age, is it's it's hard to get one of these labels going in the first instance. But to last for five years is quite impressive. Like whatever anyone says, no matter how big you are, I think five years maintaining your space within a scene is is an impressive feat. So congrats. Thanks very much. Uh, yeah, it is uh, a pretty full on thing. I mean, it, I guess it depends like how much. Uh, you really want to kind of commit to but essentially we keep on increasingly uh well we, we keep on committing to like massive projects basically that then we feel that we need to see through to the end um and that eats up a lot of the time can you sort of explain to the listeners like who we is and like maybe like reveal as much as you want to about like the kind of day-to-day running of the label like if it if it's a full-time endeavor or if you're having to do it alongside day jobs and stuff behind the black yeah, yeah. open, open yeah, as much um, as you would want to or preserve as much <laughs> mystique as you want to yeah i mean i mean there's just a pretty grotty room behind it but yeah i think um uh it's, it's a bit like when you play a show and you expect the kind of you know uh, the back room bit to be really nice <laughs> and then you open the door and it's just like a mouldy couch and yeah. some dry rock I feel like you're setting us up for some uh, kind of Wizard of Oz story here <laughs> well I think is I mean that is I think probably 
the real case of affairs behind most labels. Yeah, for sure. It is a bit of a Wizard of Oz behind the curtain thing. But so uh, Pure Life is uh, myself uh, and I'm Andy, aka Panta Ray. Uh, and it was uh, began with well, it it was basically kind of jointly uh, started with CMD 94 who is a producer from Ukraine, um, and we've worked together on various uh, music projects. Uh, the biggest one being Koreame, uh, and so. Due to his situation in Ukraine, he doesn't have a lot of kind of running of the day-to-day, so that generally kind of falls uh, to myself. Uh, and then, but we've got a great team around us. Uh, I speak, you know, we have like Arfrien, who deals with a lot of our kind of interactive stuff. Uh, and then generally, we just kind of work with lots of different designers, uh, visual artists, and uh, people who you know, music videos and all sorts of different styles of uh, multimedia. Um, so it's, I wouldn't say <clears> it's kind of like there's a, there's a few people who are, you know, the main cast, if you will, uh, and then a lot of supporting characters. But you are working on this full time, is that right? I'm not working on it full time. I work a full time job as well as doing the label. Yeah, I, I know that um, challenge is real. It is, it's not easy sometimes. Like, you know, it, so at the moment I'm preparing for the Pure Live uh, shows, uh, the first of which is in Manchester, and we've just had to like concurrently do a massive office move that I've had to coordinate. So, not, <laughs> so it's, it's been, it's been, you know, pretty full on lately. So this, is, this is the Pure Life office. Are you based in the north of England then? The phys- physical, the physical <laughs> yeah, so, life presence. Well, our spiritual home is Manchester, which is why we're doing the five-year birthday show there. Um, I personally live in a little place called Todmorden, which is on the border of both Lancashire and West Yorkshire. Uh, I have an olden postcode, but I also have West Yorkshire in my address, so figure that Mm. one out. That's very cool. I massacred the pronunciation of... Todd Modern. I was. I went Todd Morden earlier. Not good. <laughs> well, I think Todd Morden is more of the kind of. So uh, the funny thing about uh, Todd Modern is when you say it like that, it sounds like you're, you're like German, mm-hmm. and in German it means murder death. Very good. Like, Todd, I think, means dead, and Morden means murder. <laughs> so when my German friend came to Todd Modern and saw. Todmorden murder death funeral care she thought that was pretty hilarious yeah very cool there must be some metal bands from there well there is there is a quite a uh, so basically there's a big Aldi in the middle of Todmorden and before that was built there was some condemned buildings and one of them used to be Harold Shipman's uh, GPR oh god no No, not Uh, nice enter (laughs) <laughs> no, better as well. You know, people like I mean, a bit of bleak apparently, tourism. so yeah, so a bit of, of yeah, the bleak tourism was was a thing apparently, and these goth kids used I to bet. do, you know, these um, I don't know patronage. What, uh, 
pilgrimage, pilgrimage <laughs> to uh, you know the angel of, of death. I, I don't. Oh well, yeah. I, I, I don't know much else about it. Uh, but if you watch, um, if you, do you know Happy Valley? Yes, yes, yes. I watched that quite recently. So, to be fair, we like binged all the series. So if you watch, if you watch episode one, um, it opens with an aerial view of Todmorden, uh, and on the left, sorry, the right hand side, um, because it was shot in 2015 before the condemned buildings were destroyed. You can see Harold Shipman's GP office on the right hand side. I, th- I feel like you need to session. upload this to like add this to the IMDb page if no one else has done that already. <laughs> <laughs> but we're all like trivia geeks. Well, yeah, I mean I remember IMDb used to be all about that with the forums and mm. such. But we we did a, a soundtrack um over the last year. So one of the big parts of me wanting to do a soundtrack was purely so I'd get an IMDb credit. Yeah, we're going to have that with the film we're working on with the Nobody Here project. I'm quite. I've got to decide whether to use my government name or my uh, vaporwave name. Would IMDb allow? I don't know, but would they know that there yeah. wasn't an Enzo Van Balen? Loads of actors have, real got, name. have got I mean, stage names. I mean, over. to be fair, the Van Balen in my name comes from the family name of the Belgian side of my family, so it's not a made-up name. And Enzo is like a nickname that derives from Vincenzo. My name's Vincent, so... Like, it's kind of real. It's not going to be a red flag. It's not I like mean, I'm calling myself, like, Red Bear. Or It's like there's that director who's just called Muck G. Mm-hmm. There we are. Yeah, he, he, di- he directed the, uh, the US version of Spaced which uh, had one episode and then was counted. Oh, those, okay. those things are always doomed, aren't they? American in-betweeners yeah. and things like, like that. Like the American in-betweeners, yeah, I was going to yeah. say. Yeah. Although the, the Office, yeah. is, the office been... is the kind of exception to the rule, because that's that's Yeah, I think the, the Office worked, you know, I think... Uh, I think there's, like... I can't remember how many, but at one point there was at least, like, ten different uh, versions of The Office worldwide. Really? There was all. They were all successful. Wow. There was a One Foot in the Grave uh, American remake, which is pretty good. And also, the IT crowd. Future sounds. I'm going to try and sort of, um, yeah, not not a smooth segue at all, but, but bring it back. Um, I saw that, um, so you're saying that um, CMD94, who, you know, you, is involved in the running of the label and you've got like a, an active music project with, mm-hmm. I, I saw that they were, they had like, um, post-covid health complications as well like what's 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 the latest with that like are they are they able to make music and stuff still yeah so um he had some sort of complications uh with covid he got it really bad and he's got long covid as Mm. well um and it uh affected his i think i can't remember what the name is it something cortex some some sort of kind of cortex cerebral cortex uh that affected his hearing uh which you know i think for a music producer and you know someone who's making their livelihood for a long time from mastering and working in a theater as like a a sound technician uh is probably the worst thing that could you know probably befall you um but he, yeah, there was there was a point where he was telling me that he might have to have surgery, and the surgery was like, uh, you know, 
two grand or what was it, five grand? I can't remember exactly the figures. It was quite a long time ago now. But um, but luckily, the uh, he went on like a course of medication and uh, it basically got <coughs> hit. He, he said he, he was back up to about 80, 85% of what he had before. That's fantastic. So, and I think it's just in one ear or something. I can't oh, remember. That sounds heavy too much about yeah, it, it does but yeah the, the thing about me and uh me and cmd's relationship is uh he doesn't speak particularly great english uh and i think a lot of what he writes is kind of thrown through google translate yeah um i mean obviously my ukrainian is not non-existent so uh it's, yeah more kind of complex conversations can sometimes be a little bit confusing yeah. That's kind. That's kind of an interesting, <clears throat> like, uh, metaphor for the way. I mean, I know that you guys are more adjacent to vaporwave than explicitly vaporwave, but like the international collaboration side of things is kind of fascinating. People from all different cultures all over the world finding a way to work, and that's kind of mad, isn't it? Technology finding the answer, bridging the gap between you. Yeah, I think it's one of the <clears throat> main things that uh, that attracted me to it to begin with uh the whole global kind of network aspect mm. of being able to find people um you know because i i think i battled with trying to be involved in a local scene for quite a while and never really kind of getting what i wanted out of it um and then finding essentially it kind of boiled down to being able to find the right people who were into the same sort of mm thing is you and you know we're working on the same wavelength and uh that's a great thing about uh these the the power of the internet to connect people mm. uh in order to be able to kind of create stuff so the funny thing was like when me and misha made our first album as koreame which is called sacred uh we didn't know <coughs> each other's real names uh barely knew anything about each other it was like and it was kind of almost by design because it, it, it was just this idea of kind of working just a, a kind of artistic language like this a kind of universal kind of language of, of music that doesn't sound too pretentious no, it's, it's a romantic idea isn't it i it, think everybody's it, attracted to it <laughs> Yeah, and it actually, it was quite funny because sometimes I'd have, uh, because we were, we we originally were gonna, slated to release the album with Blood Honey. And uh, if you remember mm -hmm. them, uh, they were kind of like pre-villain villain. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so we had loads of problems getting that out with, uh, with Blood Honey and essentially like blood honey went under and then it was only through that happening that we decided that we could probably do a better job ourselves uh, or do it ourselves basically and uh, that's where pure life was birthed so how from. does the name come about so the name actually comes from a song by iggy pop and one tricks point never uh if you've seen the film Good Time, it's the closing uh, song at, on the film Good Time. And it's basically this 
I don't know if you've heard it. It's the Safdie no, Brothers film, right? Yeah, Safdie Brothers film. It's Robert Pattinson. Um, it's an absolutely amazing yeah. film. Uh, one of my favorites that I watch over that and over again. That was quite again. recent. To, uh, to when you, it's this, not an old movie, is it? It's recent to, to, to the time that you started. No, that, I think it came out in 2017. Yeah, which was the... Um, uh, yeah, I think it was just a, a movie that I was watching a lot that year because it came out. But basically, it's Iggy Pop and One Tricks Point Never collaboration. It's this nice little kind of piano ballad thing. Um and there's kind of a spoken word bit in the middle where he pop says uh what does he say it's something like if only we could untangle ourselves uh i can't remember what it is cut cut Cut. time to search it's basically a song about kind of redemption and and an acceptance of kind of the fallibility of humanity and being a human uh, and uh, the lyrics are every day I think about untwisting and untangling these strings I'm in and to lead a pure life I look ahead at a clear sky not going to get there but it's a nice dream it's a nice dream and it's just quite a nice quote that I think encapsulates this idea of like wanting to be a perfect version of yourself which is essentially what a lot of you know this kind of uh, heightened, uh, pure version of yourself, which you know the internet essentially allows you to become mm. like this kind of distilled version of your of yourself or whatever. Yeah. But essentially, it's not real, and you know we're all flawed and and all this. Um, uh, and yeah. that's quite sci-fi as well, right? Like it's sort of cyborg ideas and like ideas of yeah, like yeah. thesis and stuff, like like imp- imp- self improvement through sort of technological means or spiritual yeah, means transhumanism or, yeah, yeah. very cool uh, yeah absolutely and that's that's been you know they're be, that's theme they are themes that have been kind of uh you know central to everything we've been mm. putting out and if there was a word for, you know or a, a phrase i'd use to describe it as a whole it would be sci-fi mm-hmm it, it does fit. That really fits. God, your story yeah. is so much more profound than the name for our label. I was literally walking on a beach with my partner in, in Mexico and I saw a flock of um, flamingos. And over about an hour of playing around with words, my pet flamingo came about. So it, was, it felt like a profound moment because I knew that I wanted to set up this label and explore Vaporwave and stuff like that and get much more involved in it. Yeah. And it felt like a moment that was quite pure and profound but certainly there's no kind of intellectual backstory to it in the same way and i like this idea this well, aspiration I can, I can of make, make yourself a better make the best possible version of yourself i i can chime with that it's not always achievable but it's a it's a good aspiration yeah. to have in the background isn't it yeah it is uh originally i want have you ever heard of the band woo life i know the name yeah i know the name as well both of those words are spelt different. They're a Manchester band. Right? W, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's an acronym uh, for. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think it's like World Unite. Lucifer Youth Foundation, uh, I've got. Lucifer Youth Foundation, yeah. And uh, they were from Manchester and around in like 2011. And I always thought the way they branded themselves was pretty, uh, was pretty impressive. Mm. And I was quite, you know, I thought quite a lot of the uh, the kind of methods of which they 
kind of got attention and engagement were fairly clever and also organic, like a way of organically growing、mm-hmm. a scene around an idea, basically. So I took I took quite a lot of.、Uh, Influence from them as well. Those 2010s Manchester bands were really good, like Everything Everything and Dutch Uncles, Wu Life. It's like there was quite imaginative yeah, yeah. music being made at that time. I think like kind of quite proggy、um, stuff, but and like striking visual aesthetics and stuff. It's like doing interesting things with guitar music. Yeah, and then and then I think like guitar music kind of hit the buffers for a bit and seems to be having a bit of a renaissance now. But look, about a decade, decade. Yeah, for、out. sure, for sure. Yeah, I think、um, a lot of it. it it's weird because I feel like.、Um, did you say it is having a renaissance? Yeah, yeah, it seems、yeah. to be. Yeah, I, I well, yeah, I think.、Um, I I think it's a tough time to be in a band. Yeah,、I、economically, it like, makes no sense. I remember.、Right? Well, yeah, I think logistically, you know, I remember looking at the park. So you know, Parklife Festival, which is like a big festival in Manchester、uh, that happens every summer. That used to have like an, there's local promoters called Now Wave,、uh, who actually own Yes,、uh, which is the bar we're uh, playing uh, our show, and they used to have their own kind of curated tent there, which they put on things like、uh, I don't know band sort of things. Anyway, but a few、uh, years ago, the I noticed that the the, the Parklife lineup was pretty much all. DJs and rappers,、yeah. like it just completely disregarded the band as a concept,、uh, and you can totally understand why because you know logistically it's so much easier to just、uh, to to organise and set up、yeah. a bunch of DJs and and, and rappers. And the, the band model is normally four blokes with guitars and stuff. It's it's like a pretty tired model, isn't it? There, there's there's people trying to sort of breathe breathe new、yeah, ideas and, into that <laughs> format though. Sure, sure, and I think、um, I think in terms of kind of touring logistics, in terms of finance and making it actually you know、uh, profitable or anything like that, is like harder and harder to do. I think it was it like Animal Collective、mm-hmm. who like cancelled a load of、yeah. tours last year because they just couldn't make it、uh, economically viable. I remember Grizzly Bear like、mm. as. Long, you know, almost ten years ago, saying the same thing、yeah. because they wanted to, you know, full bring all, you know, all these big instruments and stuff on on tour and just couldn't make it economically viable to have all that and、uh, you know five people in a band and also even the, even if they were selling out shows, it was it was not enough. But I mean, it's like if if you look at the the sale, the chart sales and stuff, you know, like vinyl sales, just as one example, you'll、mm-hmm. get independent. Like vaporwave artists, future funk artists who could drop a thousand records and sell them out in a minute—that that happens from time to time—and <clears throat> then flip down his head, and and someone like Liam Gallagher is being kind of celebrated for selling twenty thousand copies of his latest album on vinyl. And when you compare those, there's not like a huge jump from one to the other. Obviously, there's a gap, but you're talking about one of the most famous musicians or artists in on the planet. And you know when it's a band,、yeah. you've got to divide that amongst lots of people.、Mm. Proper labels, the way they set up, the, the finances are way way worse than when you work with an indie label, where the chances are you'll get a fifty-fifty cut on all profits, with much less in the way of overheads. It's probably a much better time to、yeah. be an independent producer if you can get a good gig going. Yeah,、uh, than it is to be in a proper、yeah. band. 
I'd, I'd, I'd say there's uh, definitely a lot more um, advantages at this point. I mean, the funny thing is that a lot of majors, you know, you, you hear these stories about, uh, you know, people getting signed to like seven uh, album deals yeah. and things like that. But if anything, you know, major record labels are more mirroring the sort of corrupt, cooperative sort of uh, arrangements uh, that like independents would have now. Like, there's no way they would sign on, uh, you know, many bands or artists now for like seven. It would be crazy. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. It, I mean, it would be madness. Like signing Harry Kane yeah, to it, a it six-year contract. The same. Right? <laughs> Foolish. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's like the the algorithm changes so quickly these days as well. So you'd be locked into something that wouldn't necessarily be popular quite quickly. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's it's good to get the most out you know if i was thinking you know as like a record label as a mainstream record label you want to get someone whilst they're you know hot and on trends uh and you might not want them three or four years down the line where they're not no one cares anymore um so i think it that you know that's representative <coughs> of the sort of kind of uh state of the industry right now so it's like, it's like segue back because you you said that you just kind of describe everything about what you are as a label as like sci-fi is a really good descriptor what what mm-hmm. which genre tags like what scenes do you most identify with well it's an interesting question i think um we try not like you're gonna say the word pigeonhole you don't want to be pigeonholed right <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's difficult because people make up their minds regardless. And I, I don't like to encourage, you know, the lazy thought patterns that basically, uh, or the obsession, genre obsession that people seem to kind of be very preoccupied with every time we do like a vapor memory stream and someone's asking, <clears throat> what genre is this? Where does this fit? Like, how do I, how am I supposed to understand this? How am I supposed to contextualize this? And it's like, nah, you've got to figure that out for yourself. Like, uh, so I don't like to encourage, you know, pandering to kind of like, uh, you know, genre stuff. Like, uh, because there's, there's disadvantages to doing that. I mean, so we've been going five years, as I was saying before, and I don't think we've ever released a Vaporwave release. Not something that I would consider a Vaporwave release. And I don't think, aside from Telepath, uh, we've ever released an artist that would also consider themselves like a they would call themselves like a vaporwave artist so so you got to be true to that and and kind of like you you want to represent them how they want to be represented um but also you know say we say oh yeah we are probably a dream punk label then you know i think one of uh what you know you you can get that can cause problems as well because then you open yourself up to potentially being tarred with the same brush as other people who you know would consider themselves in that uh, in that realm. Yeah, because so, dream punk you know, is almost some people. It's almost like a trigger uh, genre for some people who are vaporwave fans because dream punk, in some respects, you know, you might have people who would associate that with 
with with Dream Catalog, and they're very very vocal sort of separation from Vaporwave, like antagonistic separation from it. And I don't think that necessarily that has to hold true for everyone who is a fan of or understands themselves to be a dream punk artist by any means at all. But it gets into kind of like a like a rivalry within genres in some respects there. Do you see where I'm coming from? Yeah, it's good for business. Sure, yeah, there's like a... <laughs> Beef. <laughs> I mean, doesn't sometimes it doesn't feel like it. I think, you know, I, I would just... I personally like to be... You know, held responsible for stuff that we do and and say, and not really be responsible for anything anyone else does or says. But I remember actually when uh, I met Tom at the uh, at the Pure Life gig in uh, the glove that fits that we did uh, last year yeah. uh, that had Pizza Hotline and others yeah, yeah. playing. I, me- I remember having a conversation with you where you were quite surprised at the type of atmosphere that we'd curated and that you're saying oh i'm really surprised everyone's so nice <laughs> and everyone's very friendly and all this sort of I stuff i haven't been out for a few months as and well because my baby really just stayed... been born you know I, I think i was um <clears throat> getting 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 used to socializing again <laughs> it, it just generally really stayed with me because it made me realize that there are certain aspects of kind of how we're perceived by other people that are really it's really out of our control mm. um and you know, you're not always just seen for kind of what you do, but it, it is it is who you are perceived, you know, to, to have associations with as well that will, will colour your reputation. I think va- labels like yourselves and like Villain, I don't think they get drawn... I don't really think they get drawn into it in any way, shape or form. I mean, it, it might be that it's there's, there's kind of a partial, like, Venn diagram where there's an association with that kind of side of, of the music, but I don't think that there's a, a, a any kind of negativity associated with you i think wasn't yeah. tom wasn't that what you were saying about about that event was more about the, the style of music contrasting quite heavily with yeah the i think that's that's more more people anyway more that more that the, <clears throat> the music music is moody and the people are nice and that's like a kind of truism about yeah, like exactly. lots of lots of yeah. darker music genres you know like you know there's always dark and light aren't there and you know like it's it's what people because it wasn't the same in the old days fans. If you went to a jungle rave, like if you went to a, a jungle rave, it wasn't necessarily a nice place to be. I can remember that, like ca- catching the back end of mm-hmm. drum and bass, and especially jump up drum and drum and bass. And it was sometimes yeah. quite a moody atmosphere, and the people were quite moody. And it was almost like you had to act moody, and that was kind of what cool mm-hmm. was in that yeah. in, in that right. in that space. And I think people yeah. have let go of that, or the the people who found the sound afresh now, twenty years, thirty years on. Are just different types of people and they're coming at it from, from a different angle yeah well i think there's quite an interesting um origin to, or reason behind that and that i think you know that is linked uh because you know background yeah. the uh the art the artist that is you know from 2017 was really honing that kind of playstation oriented sure. like uh you know uh seventh and ninths sort of kind of big cloudy waves yeah. and then uh you know with the with the brakes underneath and things like that so um yeah i think essentially the funny thing about a lot of people making rave music or music that people would consider like rave music is they've never been yeah. near a rave yeah. it's ps1 jungle really, it's not you know, it's not um the you know one of those classic raves like world dance and stuff it's ps1 
second hand with your friends it is yeah, yeah it's that bur- burial thing isn't it you learn about it through your older brother right yeah 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 it's it's like that and youtube as well like you can see that you know everyone's seen the kind of like those great uh like vhs sort of kind of recordings of people off their face on raves yeah. and stuff and that little kid dancing with shades <laughs> on and Bucket hats. Stuff. uh yeah and all that sort of stuff and it, it's like uh and the funny thing is like how most people uh who are creating that sort of music now like found it essentially through uh you know computer games yeah uh from a certain that era basically and those being kind of formative experiences and inspirations which when you look on it on the face of it is couldn't be more different from what a rave is which is this like huge communal um atmosphere you know usually kind of drug fueled and all this sort of stuff and and it's like quite an isolated experience like uh, playing a video game and witnessing music through that in some it's respects, a lot more passive like, as well than kind of being pulled up to the eyeballs yeah, dancing yeah. for 10 hours like it, it's a very different experience yeah so it's quite funny because they're almost like the opposite mm-hmm. experience yeah so it doesn't surprise me now that when you know uh, the people who are kind of regurgitating this music or the, the kind of style in their own kind of way uh, will kind of do shows and, <clears throat> you know, bring that kind of nicer atmosphere. Yeah, to but the shows when you well. hear Pizza Hotline play, for example, because he, not long after that show, he played for you. He played at one of, was it the first Future Sounds we did or the second, it was the second Future Sounds? Yeah, our folklore. And yeah. the style of, the style of, yeah, the style of tunes that he's, he's kind of nostalgic for or that he's found himself you know replicating and uh kind of paying an homage to it's very much from the intelligent drum and bass end like that's what we used to call it intelligent drum and bass at the time and so it wasn't the moody style in many ways anyway it was kind of more Mm -hmm. the uh introspective uh, ltj bookham kind of much more you know immersive and and um like journey music rather than instant impact kind of uh aggressive style of of jungle and that's the stuff that's made a comeback so that probably partially explains the vibe as well with that are you talking about like breakcore no breakcore i think it sounds more like happy hardcore in some respects sometimes that is quite aggressive and loud i'm talking about like if you listen to level select for example as an album Mm -hmm. that that to me reminds me of like pesce and ltj bookham very chilled out um yeah like journey music you know it's not it's not like um yeah it's not jump up music you know if that makes sense yeah no it does uh it's kind of like uh lobby music in a way like in a the sort of thing that you can hear on repeat like it if it was under a menu For sure and yeah. you'd never get sick yeah. of it, that yeah. sort of um so yeah i think it's quite interesting isn't that kind of the 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 lobby music menu music things kind of the concept behind memory card the the background album right like that that's kind of what it's, it strongly suggests right yeah, yeah, that's um we got we used to get a guy called Plains Apparition to write up um kind of little little things uh to go with each release mm. and yeah, that was that was the image that he kind of conjured, conjured was this kind of idea of being in a dark room and the only source of light being nice. like a the CRT like menu uh, with this menu just kind of looping over and over 
um, which I'm pretty sure we're a bit all familiar yeah. with. That's pretty uh, evocative um, copywriting. Age, at least. <laughs> Who did you say wrote all that stuff? Because it's really good that those blurbs <laughs> on your on your Bandcamp are really solid. Just shout out that person. Yeah, it's uh, this. Yeah, this guy called uh, Planes Apparition. We, um, he doesn't do it for us anymore, but I, uh, I, in the early days, he used to, he used to do them. Some of um, is Memory Card one of the records that you've kind of presented in like a more interactive way, like on your website, like you can kind of um, experience experience <laughs> the album yeah. through kind of like kind of gamified kind of environments or more interactive environments. Yeah, I think we've always been quite interested in this idea of how you can have control over contextualizing music because obviously music is quite an abstract form and therefore it can be interpreted in you know completely different ways. Mm. Uh, so to have kind of some control over the contextual element of it uh, by presenting it in like an interactive format or offering some sort of kind of uh, experience to go with it yeah. is something that we've been interested in for a long time and yeah I actually almost forgot we did that uh, but yeah we got uh, it was actually Bruce Skies who um, is Matt Haywood shout out Matt and who did uh, he recreated the kind of PS1 memory card screen yeah. uh, and then yeah essentially kind of recreated that uh it was the one that's kind of got like the the grey tiled version, not the multiple crazy coloured one. I find it really interesting that you um, there's so much of a tie to nostalgia in what you're talking mm. about, and I know that you kind mm -hmm. of don't pigeon your hole yourself um, as being in ex uh, being directly linked to vaporwave in any way, shape, or form. But there's a symbiotic relationship with nostalgia that that is part of vaporwave. It's the core of vaporwave, I think, at this point. And that's kind of interesting as well, because yeah. in a way, Vaporwave is almost, apart from those handful of voices that you'll get who are very much, that's not Vaporwave, or this is Vaporwave, and everything else is, you know, this is just sparkling electronica or what have you, you know, like <laughs> people who, who fight fight for the, you know, for the uh, OG Vaporwave to remain chopping up loops from the same kind of 80s source material. Like, Vaporwave appears now, from to my era uh, at least, to have branched out into so many... Uh, different styles of music itself that is at this point not really a self-contained music genre it's much more of like a an eclectic mix of people sharing their own nostalgia that's a, a very <laughs> very concise way of putting it i'd say that's uh pretty much bang on that you know that's, that's pretty much hits the nail on the head it's naive to say that music should would is a meritocracy or anything like that but I think it did give people a standing, you know, uh, who, you know, maybe hadn't earned it particularly, but then, uh, and through seeing people rocketing up to kind of notoriety and stuff, you know, it got a lot of people uh, copying that process of just basically finding 80s music, slowing it down, releasing it, and, you know, basically spending about 10 minutes on the album we in we interviewed uh, um adam harper who wrote that famous article for dummy magazine and he said that vaporwave was oh yeah. the first genre of music where you could make an album quicker than the time it takes to listen to it <laughs> i mean it's it's completely true um but he said that with love he said that with some love to be fair but i, I can i can understand the uh appeal of that 
from a lot of different perspectives you know it it suits the kind of ADHD sort of kind of culture disposable um you know content era like very succinctly and I think uh in a way it kind of reminds me of some of the you know artistic traits of like Andy Warhol and mm-hmm. pop art movement yeah. and um you know George Clanton even looks a little bit like Andy <laughs> Warhol funny. so <laughs> yeah <laughs> but there's a, there's a low um, barrier of entry that that makes you able to draw comparisons with the punk scene and that kind of you know in those days it was yeah, about picking absolutely. up a guitar learning three chords and having a band nowadays it's having a computer a cracked DAW and then all you need to do is download a track <laughs> from YouTube and you can isolate a loop command R command R command R and you've got yourself you know yeah yeah, a very it's, basic it's, vaporwave it's, track you know in, in that regard but isn't there something about decontextualizing it's or recontextualizing it's the source material degrading it and you know taking mm. it out of its context something that's been forgotten and left behind and, and absolutely you know i think that i think there is a value to the artistic statement i do accept that a lot of it became at one point very much meme music but like you said yourself you know people have <clears throat> perhaps they got bored of making music in the same way and the the whole idea of nostalgia and as as the kind of footprint of it has come to the fore and people are exploring their own relationship with the past in different ways Mm -hmm. i mean even if even if like you know your entry level into becoming a producer is making you know some vaporwave album um you know that is still an you know a way that many people in this era will have started off their producing. Look at Daniel Uppertown. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He didn't Absolutely. call it that, like you know, and, but that's what he did. Yeah, dick, dicking around. With yeah, it. and I think like you know, you could listen. I think yeah, if you th- if you think about kind of the appeal of punk, is you know, you you look at it, you listen to it, and you think, well, I could do that, and then most people. You know, I think of like bands like Germs and stuff, and all these like young kids who made music and didn't know how to play the instruments, and basically just kind of figured it out over time. Like it was just the kind of it. It doesn't really matter kind of what your tools are. It's, it's the commitment to the kind of process and the and, idea behind um, it as well. I think that's what Vaporwave does well. It yeah. packages an idea and it takes you to a place. So if you're willing to kind of accept that and do a little bit of the mental legwork yourself you can stick an album on in the background and you can transport yourself to the place and and i think that's what's special about it i mean the yeah. first album we ever did me and my brother malibu condos we've sold like 500 records over over time and considering the amount of work we've put into stuff we've done since you know it, it almost bears no comparison but i'm kind of proud of it because we've had a, even just a handful of people saying that they can put that on and be transported to being in an airbnb by the beach at night you know like free from the strains and stresses of work and it's, it's that kind of thing it's pe- people being able to carry with you on that journey and there's not there's not the same degree of artistic um effort and energy that that other people have put into some stuff but there's a value in it still if someone has that response to it and even classic vaporwave does that look at how much people absolutely adore luxury elites work and that's about curation, isn't it? It's about picking the right samples. It's not going, 
mm. you know, over the same ground as other people trying to identify obscure stuff. So even though it's quite simplistic, and I think she even uses audacity to, to make music, which is kind of crazy to think when there's so much technology choices out there for you. But maybe we've lingered too long on this. I think I was just trying to just, you know, like draw the parallel between what you guys do from a nostalgic point of view. I wonder, maybe perhaps it's probably a better question to ask you is what your own relationship with nostalgia is and how that kind of plays a part in what Pure Life does. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's a great question because essentially that is what it is. Like this is, this label is my personality and my formative influences, um, you know, basically put creating so if i hear something that reminds me of something that i cherished growing up or something that is like quite a big part of my personality then i find it easier to kind of understand and love through the idea idea of that filter so when you're talking about context like that is important so a good example recently is uh there's an artist uh that's on our roster is called Twin Galaxies um, and he's uh, been kind of working on this album for maybe two years or, or, or so and he sent me kind of various incarnations of it and it wasn't really kind of clicking together until the last time he sent it to me and he said that this kind of different kind of group of tracks or whatever uh, was we, we just started talking about kind of choose your own adventure books yeah. that we used to read yeah, when we were kids them. and suddenly and suddenly like the whole concept of the album just clicked in my head for me and you know and we and we and we thought right well we can that's how we contextualize it like we can uh so we've been we've been designing kind of artwork that uh that is kind of reminiscent of those kind <coughs> of uh, choose your own adventure novels and I might even write a oh, small man, one do. to go with Do you it? choose that's, to that's run cool. away from the foe? Go to page 32. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you exactly. choose to stay and fight, I, uh, it's page 17. <laughs> yeah, it's like a falcon oh, hoof or something like that. Like, it, that that's a Limmy sketch, isn't it? Or is that a real thing? Is falcon hoof anything other than the Limmy yeah, sketch? Yeah, yeah. Kill. No, falcon hoof is just the, uh, <laughs> the, lim- <laughs> the Limmy sketch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so yeah, and that, that's you know, uh, CMD uh, has always taken the um, kind of uh, icon. Well, not the iconography. It's uh, like characters and kind of stills and stuff from. Uh, he's he watched a lot of kind of mecha anime growing up. Yeah, and that has been the kind of running kind of theme in his kind of visual. Um, aesthetic uh for you know since he started uh so so yeah it kind of i think it helps with people's brands if they kind of have a a strong kind of image that goes with it and it's usually informed by some sort of nostalgia like background is uh you know playstation culture uh you know memory card screens game lobbies all that sort of thing uh background uh, cmd's got the mecha stuff 
uh, which has kind of slowly kind of been incorporated into you know Koreami as well. Yeah. The the Aria um, stuff is like you know, RPG, I just, I just right? Think it, it's like like sort of top down two D RPG. Oh stuff. yeah, yeah. That's that's a nice aesthetic to explore as well. Yeah. So that yeah, I mean that was that was a great project, um, and I don't know if you've if you two have played the game. But haven't played the game. I've should, heard the, I've heard the music. So have. so you've got a bunch of things which you can you can download on itch, right? And and play as games. Like I, I kind of, there's a few. Yeah. Projects. So w- the first time we, yeah, we did. Um, so the first thing we did is we had an album by Elegance of the Damned and Way, and uh, it's called Corporatism. And I envisaged. Have you ever played the Stanley Parable? No. No. Okay, it's like a Valve game, and it's this kind of uh, satirical, absurdist sort of game that's uh, all based in this office, and it's like a, you know, it, it it's it's basically a massive satire of kind of office culture and um, all sorts of things like that. Anyway, we, we decided that we were going to essentially make a virtual environment. You interact with certain uh, objects in this office environment. And it triggers the tracks from the album with uh, complete with visual effects. Um, so, uh, and then we just released it for free, and that that was the first uh, project we did uh, with Arfrien, um, who kind of creates all our, you know, the majority of our kind of interactive uh, content, uh, and that was in 2019. And then of late, we kind of went back and. Re, uh, reverse engineered the influences and concept of this Aria game that CMD released last year and made uh, our own little kind of mini JRPG that's so cool um, which uh, you know is free to play and free to download for anyone nice. send us the links cool. and we'll stick them in the description yeah we'll... I was just looking up in the background you you massively um uh piqued my interest and the uh steve it was steve jackson and ian livingston books it was that i used to read when i was a kid but those they are the, the advent- um, adventure books so they choose your advent- own adventure that that was the they were the big big ones I, I think the one that i remember immediately looking at this is warlock of firetop mountain was a book i had when i was a kid i mean i played them constantly i would have read those books again and again and again and again yeah, I don't know if you ever like one of the first computer programs I ever played was basically a kind of Bandersnatch style. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. Yeah, yeah, thing. yeah, that Bandersnatch thing. That's exactly the same kind of vibe, isn't it? Yeah, that that really brought like a but this if you look, if you if you like Google search choose your own adventure. It really has like a particular aesthetic yeah. to all the books. And I don't know why, but this is kind of like almost uniform uh, way that they were presented, which is just always got these, uh, it's always the same font mm-hmm. by the looks of things. And this kind of beige and yeah. uh, there's always like some sort of curved line. Yes. Or, things yes. kind of co- yes. coalesce yes. that way. It's just this, like anything niche kind of coalesces yeah. around. Like, you know, there's, there's, there's you've released like a, a wide body of work right but there's there's like shared kind of visual signifiers mm-hmm. and kind of typographic choices Absolutely, in the artwork yeah. and, and themes yeah, that's and stuff the, it's just it's just the way things coalesce i think 
Yeah, I think that that's we've always wanted to keep a very consistent um, design and art style from the from the very beginning. Um, there's generally uh, some sort of figure in all of our art, mm. and there's on a band camp at least we decided to have versions of the artwork that have got no text on them either so um so that it feels like it's the you know the art is really kind of the main main thing because obviously you've got text all around it yeah yeah i see that now Kind of one one more area that I'd like to explore, but yeah, one one thing I used the phrase reverse engineering, which is um, like when I was doing my prep, I wrote that mm-hmm. down as well, just because it, I think it's funny or kind of interesting or notable that like you're now making like video games around music that was kind of designed to sound soundtracky for imaginary video games. <laughs> you know, like the, we're in this kind of uh, yeah kind of loop, yeah. which is which is really interesting. It's kind of reverse engineering loop. I thought I think it's a, a cool cultural moment. Yeah, it, it's um, it was kind of uh, thought of kind of in that regard, but also there was there was an element to it that, um, well, I guess when we started making music as Koryame, um, it was kind of off the back of this realization that you can make a movie soundtrack without having to wait for someone with a movie to ask you to do it and i think you know a lot of like what would be characterized as dream punk kind of you know falls under that sort of alternate sort of soundtrack thing i mean one of the first things we used to do when we started as a label is we do these kind of twitch events um where i would basically rescore uh vhs films with subtitles uh, whilst I kind of put them through like effects uh, boxes and stuff like that, uh, and it was called Acid Cinema. Cool. Um, so there was always there's always an aspect of it, and I think uh, you know over time you want to become more kind of legitimised. You can't, you know, and, and you, people will hopefully come around to seeing that you can, you know, produce things like soundtracks and and. and you know, give you opportunities or offer opportunities. And Misha had been in the, uh, I think Misha had created like four soundtracks or done four lots of soundtrack work because he's a very versatile producer. Like he can do a lot of different styles and stuff like where he's asked. Um, so he'd done like one for a horror game. He'd done one for a space game. He'd done one for a platform game. And the problem with a lot of video game projects is they never actually get completed mm. like they're a very difficult long-term kind of commitment as a project Paperware. and yeah and a lot of people basically just you know either lose interest or move on to a different project um and so he'd done that you know numerous times and we thought we you know i think we were just under the had the feeling that we felt he'd earned it so we created a video game for him Wow. Um, yes, yeah, in that respect, uh, and he was, uh, you know, he was, he was very, he was very happy about mm-hmm. that. That's cool. I'm gonna have to play it. So you know, for all, all the, especially like for all the stuff that he's had to, uh, you know, all the stuff that he's been through, uh, you know, not just with the invasion of Ukraine, but like 
way before that uh, because he's been living in the Donbass region of Ukraine for like which has basically been you know in yeah so you know he's 29 now and uh, the Crimean invasion was like 2014 I think so his entire 20s have just been kind of swallowed by conflict uh, and you know in that time period as well like uh, in the Donbass region you couldn't go out of the Crimean region you couldn't go to Kiev or any other part of Ukraine like you basically go to Russia and that uh, and that was it so yeah he's been he's been um, so yeah it, it, it's basically our way of trying to give him something uh, to make up for the fact that He's so limited into in what he can do and what he can experience and how much time he's lost of his of his early adulthood. Yeah, that's coming off the back of COVID as well, coming off the back of a pandemic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I feel that sense of kind of lost time. I was lucky in in the same way as a couple of my friends were to have a kid during the pandemic, and that kind of you know adds a beauty kind of of life to that period. But to have that and then fall into this really horrible situation, no, no, that's, those aren't words that really even do it any justice at all. But yeah, much love from us. I hope everything works out okay and I hope that he gets as well as he possibly can and that things, you know, that there's some hope in the near future. I really do. Yeah, he's, uh, he deserves he really it. He does. Yeah, they all do. I guess just like a, a final big thing to talk about, like we've got these, we started off by talking about the five-year anniversary of Pure Life and we were talking more about the kind of releases mm-hmm. and stuff, but like the way the way you're sort of celebrating or commemorating this anniversary um, is with, I believe, two shows. Is there only two shows? Uh, well, actually, we are currently, uh, well, I mean, this could be an exclusive cool. fuel podcast, if you wish. Yeah, I'm glad I hesitated. Uh, it was but deliberate. There's, <laughs> but there's, there's, there's going to be a third uh, live show in London hey. on the 20th of October, nice. which is going to be uh, Eclectic, oh, which oh, wow. has become... which we We've done two shows there before, and it, it is probably one of the best venues I've ever been to. Um in terms of the fact it's got this huge surround sound system yeah. thing there's like 13.8 thing and then it's also got uh you know incredible visual um uh, like an excellent projector and a, and a beautiful big wall um and the people who run it who are called isa and edward are just absolutely beautiful people who are hugely committed to um bringing your show you know to the way you envision it as much as possible and uh, unfortunately yeah. you may yeah. know that they are under threat as is the whole of the paradise yard area so you know i really hope they obviously go on for a very long time um but you know we want to go there and, and 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 bring and bring people there and if it is to be one of the last hurrahs, you know, because I think there is yeah, there's, something due in March next yeah, year. Yeah, there's that's quite. They critical. don't know what's happening beyond January. That was the um, last I heard, which is horrible. 
Yeah, so you can guess what they want to do with their space. Yeah, it's well. absolutely awful. Yeah, I mean, so it's it's very twenty twenty three that you want to, you know, destroy the only cultural oasis in central London to build more flats or whatever. Yeah, apparently offices. Yeah, I mean, it's it's oh, is it offices? Yeah. Well, regardless, it's depressing and uh, yeah, it's. It's sad because you know you you'll never meet two more dedicated and uh, just just you know very reasonable individuals who just kind of want to all they want to do is is give people a space to be able to put on shows like ours. Like you know, it's it's difficult to find a venue that is that size that is so accepting of uh, you know different styles of of show as well. Mm. Um, so yeah we're going to go there and we're going to do a uh, so it'll be a Friday October 20th and it'll be slightly smaller because it'll be a um, you know a reduced show the, the other two shows we're doing are, are fairly large ones are both on Saturday uh, this one I think we're going to tool it to be a bit more of because we've got like the two aspects of the show is the kind of club and the kind of gig this one's going to be more of the kind of ambient sort of yeah. gig, uh, like day two of Pure Life. Potentially, last year, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we, so we, we've got a fairly consistent lineup for the first two shows, but we're going to shake it up a little bit for that last show, and uh, potentially have uh, one of uh, Dream Punk slash Vaporwaves. Uh, biggest mysteries kind of reveal herself there. Oh wow! So I don't know okay. what you're talking about. I'm gonna have to be there. That's exciting. Well, <clears throat> yeah. Well, it's a week before well, potentially- Flamingo Fest as well, so we won't have left. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. No, I'm there. Well, that's good. You're. You can. I think no, we're flying out on the Wednesday. I think is the plan. Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah. yeah. That's massive, by the way. That whole yeah, um, we just we've just sold we've sold all of the um, early bird tickets, so we're like quite a good chunk of the way there, and that's in three days. It's insane. Jesus, well yeah. done, man. Well done. It. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard because you know you know this trying to put on shows in London. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's mm-hmm. probably like London and Manchester would be the the two places that I would think this kind of vibe would be able to kind of have an ecosystem and have semi-regular events but it's it's pretty hard when you compare it to the the size of your audience you know you probably know your own kind of demographics better than i do but i look at ours and it's like 70 80 percent of our records we send to america and so yeah it's i mean it's kind of inevitable we, we at some stage that we would try to do something out there it's still so revered and there's still so much interest in it like usually things kind of you know come in and 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 go through waves mm. but uh <laughs> it's evolved it's evolved and it's found yeah. new legs at times and it's and it's now currently getting an influx of younger artists who are making a very different style of music and their frame of reference and going back sure. to that point about nostalgia like their their nostalgias for the early iPhone era and they didn't they oh, didn't gosh. exist pre-internet in the same way that we understand that like i can remember still to this day telephone numbers from friends 
and I haven't lived in London for, for nearly <laughs> 20 years I moved out of London and I can still remember phone numbers from people I was in school with but I can't remember what I did last Wednesday like you know like mm-hmm. <laughs> that was just such a different way of life and I think that you know there's yeah. a whole new wave of people whose kind of frame of reference is completely different and they, they're kind of injecting new ideas and inspiring people to explore other avenues. And so I think it's kind of had its ups and downs. It's been declared dead God knows how many times, you know. Mm. But yeah. Yeah, I think uh, one of my... Because we, we did a, a Vapor Memory um, uh, premiere and before it was uh, a donor lens mm. uh I think live live yeah set this was before was like the Rashida Prime or something like. premiere wasn't it was this the one that I played played yeah. guitar in Tom yeah you did <laughs> that's not Vaporwave mate. yeah 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 yeah. it's not Vaporwave no that's <laughs> what we got told <laughs> yeah I mean so I I, I, I think I because I, so I watched that in the kind of waiting for our um, premiere to start and I was really surprised and impressed by how uh, the elements of, of Vaporwave had been taken but then expanded and then turned into this kind of actual performance as opposed to something that, something that felt very real and, and kind of present and technical and skillful and I think that in a way um, is kind of more representative of what Vaporwave is today in a lot of respects yeah. like it's um which is which is very positive, you know, in in my mind because you know, I was pretty sick of seeing you know Roman statues and checkered floors and and things like that that just seem to be kind of omnipresent in in vaporwave. So it does it does seem like it's uh, going through like a nice organic kind of evolution into something that is more legitimate. Yeah. In terms of kind of like. Well, also, it it makes it kind of far more um, suitable to a live environment sure, as well. For sure, for sure. I think it was hard to imagine how you would realise these projects in a live setting. I mean, it had been done. It's not like Electronicon was the first ever live Vaporwave show. But, Absolutely, but yeah. you know, there was, you know, it, it was probably more limited in what you could do. It would be just DJ sets, wouldn't it? And then you'd have the mm-hmm. odd MIDI Vaporwave artist who was sort of making, um, you know, more synth based stuff but even you know the, the critics would argue that's not true vaporwave as well I, I mean it's quite funny because actually you know a lot of a lot of what is considered kind of uh you know the vaporwave kind of sound is now um it's quite similar to the chill wave stuff that was coming out in like two twenty ten. that's yeah, growing sure. again as well uh yeah yeah, so Massive. yeah, because yeah. I think the the word reverse engineer as well is um, you know maybe appropriate for the idea that you are getting these people now on uh, like reinvented who were who were like the influences of certain sure. movements like appearing on you know uh, on the lineups with you know with people like George Clanton yeah, definitely. and uh, DDS definitely. and all this sort of stuff so not, not necessarily cool staying on the lineup um, though Appear, appearing temporarily <laughs> whoa now well yeah you know whoa now. people change as well they do they do uh, over time. but I think that 
it's a bit like that. We've this has been a kind kind of common thread in this conversation about nostalgia. I think that people are seeing now a connection between their music and the vaporwave scene that they might not have envisaged at the time. And so you've got artists like Hotel Pauls who maybe might not have called himself vaporwave. I can't really speak for him. It's very chill wave sound, but he's finding a big artist amongst vaporwave fans who recognise it as nostalgic escapism music. And so yeah. why would I mean, you resist that when there's such a like a, a big captive audience of people who love it? Like is it Yeah, I think it's 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 a natural scene basically. Um you know when you're talking about new artists, you know, this is this this is the kind of natural um conclusion to people having access to everything at their fingertips. Yeah. And being able to grab influences from one genre, you know, maybe a drum sound from one genre and then a synth sound from another until basically you're kind of like creating whole new things out of influences that are incredibly far reaching or completely unrelated. Um, So I think it's only natural that you see things like drum and bass coming in and meshing with ambient uh, or kind of sample Definitely. stuff and all, 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 all these but that's the things thing like that, as genre you... tags go it's probably the least restrictive that I can think of you know in the sense of not yeah, only I mean, the... pigeonholed to a sound there's certainly sounds you know there's types of you know garage drum and bass which are much more limited in the kind of waves mm. of experimentation that you can have like they have to be 4-4 they have to be uh, a similar BPM so they can be mixed by DJs in the same set otherwise they won't get played if that's the yeah. if that's the ambition that you're after is to get played in clubs you know you're much more sure. restricted and then you've got a, a music genre which is effectively an art movement which is bound by this common thread of nostalgia and the past and reinterpreting it and that kind of thing and and you kind of can just go right well, okay well in that case I'm going to make drum and bass and I'm going to make it fit because I am reimagining the era of pirate radio, which is basically what me and Tom and my brother did with Three Piece Suites. You know, mm-hmm. it's vaporwave. Some mm. people would say it's not, but it kind of is because we are being true to our own nostalgia as British people who grew up aware of or part of the rave scene. You know, it's yeah, it has a place, and it's not so restrictive as you might think in that regard, at least. Yeah, it's a loose term, like, yeah, like pop I mean, or think, rock, right? Uh, or is it like we'll a, have we'll have you adding we'll we'll have you adding the tag to your page before you know it. Yeah. <laughs> vaporwave. What yeah. vaporwave? <laughs> Big letters. <laughs> I'll look back in six months' time, and you'll have cheekily added vaporwave as one of your band cams. Yeah, I, I think I think it's quite amazing how uh, vaporwave has weirdly kind of superseded, like the vapor tag, kind of has superseded stuff that has existed for a lot longer before mm. it if you know yeah, what i yeah, mean for sure so instead instead of something just being called jungle <laughs> if it has an element of like yeah. you know nostalgia yeah. or, or kind of ambient to it it's suddenly vapor jungle yeah. vapor or breaks vapor it, 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 it's quite it's quite funny really but like i mean I, a great example i think of an artist uh uh that's been kind of taken there's been a huge influence on a lot of people but not necessarily uh, had its sound replicated is Burial mm. because like Burial is obviously like a, a garage artist like you were talking about before but you know so many artists that I know uh, would have been influenced by Burial but taken just fragments of the sound and influences and stuff say like there's a, a artist called Kid Simple that 
is very into his kind of the weird way he takes vocal samples and kind of puts them kind of through vocoders and, and, and stuff like that. And then you've got Sangam, who basically took the track in McDonald's and like took the entire track and like uh, spread it out to, to, to make a huge kind of body of work based on essentially the idea and atmosphere of one burial track. It is that element of nostalgia as well. It's the you know it's the putting it's the Metal Gear Solid samples yeah. and the kind of I think the main difference between kind of dream punk and vaporwave in that respect is probably that dream punk maybe focuses on more uh, concepts more of kind of alienation or loneliness or solitude within a kind of big like metropolis or or whatever and uh whereas i think vaporwave is more about encapsulating a different kind of feeling and and, and impressing that on the listener yeah a lot of it's like, about I don't know if you a lot of it's about that, loneliness but, but like normally like at the computer or on the internet rather than in yeah. in spaces i mean maybe spaces like like offices and shopping malls and stuff liminal spaces blah 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 yeah empty malls yeah 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 everybody's lonely um all these electronic musicians you know yeah <laughs> have you have you got any anything you can kind of tease about what's on the horizon so i mean you gave us an exclusive with this london show but like in terms of releases and stuff what what have what have we got coming our way uh, yeah, so uh, we have a uh, a background release. So so we run a a sub label that's called Synecdoche, uh, on which we have you know guys like DJ JavaScript and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, we're releasing a background eighteen uh, uh, track um, release on that soon. Uh, which is amazing, and I don't know if you know, but like background had that huge viral hit called Gotham City mm-hmm. Love, or Gotham Love, or something <clears> like that, <throat> and has like three million listens on Christ, Spotify. Yeah, and it, it's it's so funny. I mean, sorry, it's going to be going off on a bit of a tangent, but someone sent me a, a, an Instagram reel, and it's like these two twelve-year-olds walking down the road in New York or something, and this reporter woman. <laughs> They're dressed like basically we would have been dressed in like the year 2000 with like, you know, uh, polyester shirts with flames on them and stuff. And like George uh, Clanton. What they asked, like, what, how, how yeah, yeah. How, like, how would you kind of like, what song describes your fit? And they said, like, you know, Gotham Love by Background. And I was just like, that is mind bending mm. to me. Like, how 12 year olds are listening to that track and fucking loving it. Anyway, what was the question? What's, what's, next? what's on the horizon? But, but, that, but that was that was, that was a nice answer, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we, we've got um, we've got a, an album by uh, Cross Polar coming out, uh, we, and one by Shampoo. Um, so both UK artists, both artists that are playing at the live shows. Um, just you know, we, we've been getting back into into actually just releasing some regular albums because we've not done much of that this year uh, and we're also working on a really big project 
uh, which is going to be a VR sort of kind of installation-y project with uh, the artist Hayatel. Oh, wicked. So, yeah. Who... I remember, I remember uh, Hytel from my, my yeah. so 2010 Hytel, days. They were in Velour as well, right? With Julio Bashmore. Yeah, yeah. Um, and released uh, an album in 2013 on like True Panther. And, you know, it, it's, just, it, it's basically my friend from university um, that we kind of uh, got back in touch after like 10 years and have basically been working together a lot on on an on album that he's going to release uh, later in the year uh, but attached to it is this kind of big VR um, interactive VR sort of experience so working hard on that at the moment um, you'll get glimpses of it as part of his live show uh, in Manchester and Bristol and now London as well nice. that's wicked um, so yeah and then uh, what else are we doing well yeah basically the the the, the free shows are kind of being done in this way uh it is a five-year sort of kind of anniversary show as well but also um they will mark like the last uk shows and european shows that we do for like the next few years um because i'm relocating uh to canada for two years in december um which I guess is also an exclusive, but not maybe not one that people will care about very much. Um, so yeah, so it's basically kind of a bit of a, a farewell sort of kind of trilogy tour as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, but what it does mean is potential for potent, like pure live shows in the US. Yeah, North America. Um, which could also, yeah, in North America and it could uh, give us the opportunity to do shows with pure life artists like cult member and background and other like North American based artists that we've not been able to uh, do that with uh, due to just general kind of like financial and logistical reasons. URL becomes IRL. It's the theme of our, of our show. Yeah, absolutely. (coughs) And, um, yeah, excuse me. Oh, I think yeah, it's like the yeah. fast and show. There's, there's a lot, you know. There's, there's off and away. I right? know. Sorry, sorry. I was just banging on my uh, me cigarette. Then sorry. Oh man, <laughs> arse. <laughs> it was quite a profound moment as well. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I'm, oh, I'm desperate for a wee as well. I'm full of them. I'm full of absolutely desperate. I'm going to pee my trousers. I think if we go on much longer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be um, I'm gonna be made to sleep in the garage if I carry on much longer. Yeah, yeah. Wait. Uh sorry. Yeah, I've got I've got none of these commitments, so I'm I could. Talk oh, please, about please that. don't. Uh, don't because I'm gonna have an accident. Off. Yeah, don't. I, I got another one on the way as well. I'm I'm like yeah. I'm ready to add more fuel to the fire. Amazing. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah, exciting. I mean, it's it's quite incredible that you're able to go out and do all this US stuff when you've got young Mate, kids. I, like, <laughs> everyone tells you that kids are the death I'd, of death of things. Really like that. Are, Clip that really bit are. and show that I to don't your get partner. To do much. <laughs> I don't get to do much. To be fair, this was in the kind of um, this was in the offing before. Like we talked about this quite a while ago. What she didn't know was that I was going to New York for Electronicon, and that was an awkward conversation oh. lately. Oh. But I managed. To this is th- I yeah. think you're just doing this to wind me up with my, my sort of toilet situation. 
We need to, we need no, to, lovely to, to chat to you guys. <laughs> yeah. Just, just very quickly, apologies for taking so long. I'm not a great technical guy with this kind of stuff, and I kind of fucked it up. So apologies for delaying you as long as I did. But yeah, it's been a pleasure to chat to you. Uh, hope yeah, to meet lovely you chat on the show soon as well. Yeah. yeah, we're doing we're, yeah, we're doing something s- in London on the 30th of September. I don't know if you've got a show on that weekend or if you ever find yourself in London. But I'm sure you'll see announcements to it. And if you're around and you fancy coming, we'll certainly comp you a ticket to um, come and come oh, and chill out with us. Thanks so That'd much. Cool. Yeah, and uh, same goes uh, for any of the shows. Yeah, I mean Bristol might be the closest one Maybe for you. We could do a collab event in Bristol. He doesn't want to do any more shows. I'd love to do one day. <laughs> uh, yeah. In, in two, in two years' right. time. Yeah, fair. Two, two plus years' time. Yes. Yeah, when you get back. Yeah, yeah. Here we are. When you get back from Toronto. 2026. Yeah. So it's been great chatting, Andy. Yeah, nice one, guys. Take care. Yeah, man. Thanks for your time. Nice to speak. Thank you again. Nice one, bro. In a bit. Bye. Yeah, I'll try not to delete it. Yeah, don't do that. Mate.